Amen. Well, good morning, folks. How y'all feeling this morning? You know, if you're feeling good enough to be here, you're feeling a lot better than a lot of our brothers and sisters. I got quite a few calls and messages. We got folks out sick, but praise the Lord, we here healthy, at least healthy enough to be here. And I don't know about y'all, anytime you get together with God's people in the house of God and worship Jesus, that's going to be a good day. Amen. So I know the Lord's got a plan and a purpose. We are welcome you here in the name of Jesus. We got guests, some of us. Um, we got two of our dearest friends all the way far as from Why Not, Mississippi. Actually, Vimville, Mississippi, but that's close enough. Um, Brother Frank Beska and Sister Linda, we are glad to have y'all with us here. We love you. and um, What a blessing and even more. We're going to go fellowship and they're taking us out to eat afterwards. Amen. We praise the Lord and we love them. And if you got guests, I know... Um, Brother Jack's got his family here from Mexico or Arizona. Okay, I knew it was over that way. And I'll forget somebody, but if you got a family with you, it's going to be wonderful that we gather together for Christmas. And, you know, Christmas is a lot about a lot of things we've let it become. And it's wonderful that we gather together with family to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, and all the things that come with that, good food, good fellowship, um, just opening presents under the tree and all the things that make it that special time of the year. But in reality, it wouldn't be special at all if it wasn't for Jesus. You know, there's that shirt that you see people wear. Jesus is the reason for the season. No, Jesus is the season. Amen. He's not the reason. He is him himself. And you know, we're going to look this morning in two places. We're going to start out over in Matthew, a traditional Christmas passage in Matthew chapter 1. But we're going to get over in John chapter 1. And I don't know what you think the true meaning of Christmas is. But to me, having lived it without salvation for 33 years, experienced everything Christmas had to offer without Christ, and now having Christ, I'm telling you now, Christmas can never be truly Christmas without Jesus. Jesus is Christmas. And salvation is the primary gift that he brought. There's many other things Jesus might do for you and has done for you. But at the end of this thing called life, if you haven't received his salvation, it's all in vain. And he came to give you the greatest gift you need to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, wash you, prepare you, that his spirit might come in you and bring you into a relationship with his father. And no one cometh to the father but through him, he said. And I believe that with all my heart today, that it hasn't changed. There's no other name given unto heaven and earth by which men must be saved but Jesus. And you look here and we see that in John's, I mean Matthew's gospel, he starts out with how he entered into history. He came from eternities. He's always been. But he had to come into history. And what an entrance he made. He came through the virgin birth of Mary. And if you look with me here this morning in Matthew's gospel, chapter 1, verse 18. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph. I know we've heard it a million times, but it should never get old to read it again. And see how our Savior was born. It says, he came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. 
And these are the verses I want to preach primarily from 21 and 23. And she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. There it is again. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Father, we thank you today for the wonderful truth of the unbelievable fact that God became flesh and dwelt among us. And the reason he came here to live with us was to save us and forgive us of our sins. And Lord, we thank you for that truth today. And we pray that it'll be magnified in people who aren't and haven't received that gift yet will be saved. Thank you for each person here who is saved. And as we celebrate Jesus today, we thank you from the bottom of our heart for eternal life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, we look at that passage there. And like I said, this is more of a historical documentation of Jesus' entrance into humanity as the Son of God. And it says right there that... We see Jesus, boy, I got a shadow this morning, as John, I mean, Matthew portrays him. He says, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, and he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, you may have heard this before, you may have not, but Jesus is the Greek name that corresponds to the Hebrew name Joshua, which means literally the Lord saves. In Hebrew, Jesus is pronounced Yeshua, Jesus, but what it literally means is that the Lord saves. Emmanuel, as you've already seen, means God is with us. And guys, regardless of what Christmas may be to you, Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, came to us to save us from our sins. That's Christmas. That's what it's about. Um, Jesus is the incarnate deity. God himself became flesh and dwelt among us. And the thing about it that is amazing to me, Paul said it. It's hard to forget. It's hard to get over. But Paul said this in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. And this is what Paul said, and who I am chief. Now, if the apostle Paul, who was a Pharisee, a dedicated Jew to Hebrew, and grew up strict under that, who lived by the law and then he come to know Christ by the grace of God. He was saved on the Damascus Road. His eyes was open. His heart received Jesus and he became, he turned from Saul to the Apostle Paul. And he was the greatest Christian next to Jesus that I believe in the Bible that ever walked the face of the earth. And he wrote the majority of the New Testament. Apostle Paul, he was the one who went out, the first missionary. He honeycombed the Roman colony with churches in the name of the Lord Jesus. He was the biggest proponent of spreading the gospel in the early church. But he said, I am chief. So if he needed to be saved, where's that put me and you? Because I don't know about y'all. I figured out religious commitment, our goodness, will never merit to be saved and forgiven and get to go to heaven and be with God. See, it took something more than that. You'll never get to God on your ability. That's why God came to us in his ability. And the amazing thing, God could have came in a lot of different ways, but he chose to put his son, 
who is the second person in the Trinity, the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, he brought him to earth through this amazing story of the virgin birth. He became one of us, not just one of us, but he became a baby just like any of us. And he was born, but that's not where he began. You see, it says his name was also Emmanuel, God with us. If he was God, he was eternal. He was always been with us. So I want you to turn with me to where I want to preach from this morning, from John's gospel, John chapter 1. And I want you to see something here, and I'm preaching primarily for salvation this morning. If you're not saved, if you don't know whether or not, if you died right now, you would go to heaven. I promise you, I'm fixing to show you what the Bible says God done for us for Christmas to provide for us eternal life. He sent Jesus to die for our sins. And if you look right here, it says, in the beginning, verse 1 of chapter 1, was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Guess who he's talking about? He's talking about Jesus. And all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made. That was made. And look at what it says in verse 4. And in him was life, and the life was the light of men. If you look down a little further, you'll see in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. That's the birth of this little child through the virgin. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No one has ever seen God, but the Bible says in verse 18, no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. And guys, today we have the, the, the holy documents of scripture, the the, the four Gospels in the New Testament, we got all of the Old Testament prophecies that prophesy, and then we got the fulfillment in all of the teachings of Jesus when he was here. You know what the Bible says about Jesus? In Hebrews, listen what it says, Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at various times in his various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. Thank God for the Old Testament prophets. Thank God for all the things like Isaiah and the ones who predicted and pro proclaimed the coming of the Messiah. But listen what he says. But he has in these last days spoken to us by his son. And guys, I don't know about you, but it's amazing to me to be able to read the four Gospels and read and know those letters that are written in red and know that that's God himself speaking to us. That's God in the flesh that lived upon the earth that came to teach us, to speak to us. The word became flesh, the eternal word. And he came and he gave us the written word. And he spoke like no other man ever spoke before. And he taught like no one ever taught before. And he gave us the greatest truth that you'll ever need. The greatest one of all is how to be saved. How to be forgiven of your sins. Friends, listen. What he came to do was to save us. Listen to what that goes on and says. It says, God who in various times in his various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets, but he has in his last days spoken to us by his son, who being the brightness of his glory and the expressed image of his person and upholding all things by his word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins sat down at the right hand of majesty on high. Jesus came 
He was the express image of God the Father. The Bible tells us in our passage where we're looking this morning in John, it says no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son who was in his bosom of the Father has declared him. He showed us God. He came and it says that when he had purged our sins, he returned back to God. And he sits today after the resurrection, after the ascension, sitting at the highest point of authority. He will save you today if you'll trust in him, if you'll believe him. He still saves. Ask Izzy. I asked Izzy this morning, Izzy, you saved? Yeah. If a child can figure it out, it would seem like we could. But the sad news when I look here, he was in the world with us. The word became flesh and we beheld his glory. The glory of the only begotten. Can you imagine what it must have looked to see Jesus, to hear Jesus? To see Jesus perform the extraordinary miracles that he done? To, to experience the presence of the Son of the living God? But yet most people didn't receive him. Look what it says. This blows my mind. It says in verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was made through him. He was the creator of it all, and the world did not know him. The sad truth today, there's not a person in this room who's never heard of Jesus. But I'd be willing to bet everything I own that some of you don't know him. You know of him, you've heard about him, you've got certain ideas, but you don't know him the way you're supposed to know him in a personal relationship to where you've trusted him and he's real in your life. Because listen, what he says in verse 11, he came to his own, primarily the Jews, and his own did not receive him. The sad truth this morning <laughs> is that there's going to be people everywhere we go that are celebrating the birth of a Savior that they've never met. Going through all of the Christmas traditions of the holiday and the birth of a Jesus that they don't know very much about. I'm here to tell you now, if you haven't gotten into the Word of God and let the Word of God get into you, and studied and read and see what it has to say. Not what a preacher tells you. Not what a parent or a guardian tells you. But what God tells you through his written holy word. That comes from the word himself, Jesus. You really are trusting somebody else. Friends, when you come to Christ and he comes to you. He draws you to himself so that you can receive him. You know why? He wants to bring you into his family. We had that great celebration last week what a wonderful thing to be a brethren in christ a brother and sister part of the brotherhood of the believers who are saved by the grace of god the only one can do that is jesus and look at what he says in that next verse verse 12 but as many as received him to them he gave the right to become children of god to those who believe in his name Friends, I don't know about y'all, but when you believe in his name with a true heart and you receive Jesus, something happens to you that you can't explain. It says right there, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of God, but of, of man, but of God. Friends, when that happens, you're saved. And guys, what you got to be saved from is your sins. Listen, all the problems in the world can be traced back to sin. We don't want to hear about sin anymore. But guys, I'm here to tell you, everything wrong with me, everything wrong with my marriage, 
If there's anything wrong with my family, everything wrong with this church, everything wrong with our communities, everything wrong with our cities, everything that's wrong with our country, everything that you see on TV that breaks your heart can be traced back to the origin somebody's sinning. Sin is the problem. So God sent a Savior to deal with the greatest problem that we had. Not only, though, to forgive us, Jesus Christ entered the world to forgive us of our sins. We all have sinned. But to give us grace, to give us victory over sin. And friends, listen, just because you walk an aisle and make a profession of faith and say a prayer and go on business by yourself, you are forgiven by asking God, by receiving, by faith, trusting. But guys, listen, if you're going to have victory over sin, you got to do more than receive a plan. you got to receive the person. you got to believe more than believe in a salvation system. you got to trust the Savior. And friends, we got a lot of people in the church today that believe and profess a plan of salvation or believe in a system of salvation. But you don't know, you don't rely, you don't daily trust, you don't have a personal relationship with the Savior, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And friends, that's why you get so whooped. That's why we're defeated. Jesus is the one who fights our battles. He's the one who gives us grace. He's in heaven right now. I just read it to you. Sitting at the right hand of the Father on the throne of all power and authority, willing to help you. The first thing he wants to do is save you this morning. And if he saves you this morning, he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be over your life. He'll take personal responsibility for you. And he'll protect you. He'll provide for you. And he'll lead you. In a better life than you'll find on your own. But guys, listen. Not only does he provide for us forgiveness of our sins and victory over our sins, but he gives us eternal life in a home where there is no sin. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but out of a lot of things I'm looking forward to in heaven, one of the great things that I can't wait to get is be in an environment where there is no sin. Having my new body that Jesus is going to give to me that will not sin. For the first time, we're going to stand in the presence of God with an eternal body that's prepared by him that is not corrupted, and we're going to worship him without any sin to interfere. And that's heaven in itself. But guys, here on earth, the truth is that sin is a problem, but the problem can be fixed in Jesus The truth about what Christmas is, is this. The Bible is clear that God's salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can never merit it. You can never get it on your own. God provided it through Jesus when he sent him. And guys, listen to this. If we miss this, we miss the whole point of Christmas. I don't know about y'all, but... It don't matter how many gifts are under the tree. It don't matter how many family come over. If I'm not saved and forgiven, (laughs) how can you enjoy it? When you know you're a sinner. And you may say, well, maybe I'm not a sinner. Maybe I'm not like you. A lot of people weren't as bad as I was. I agree. When I sinned, I was a professional sinner. So now that I got saved, I'm trying to be a professional saint. Amen. I'm working hard at it. Because I gave 33 years to the devil. So whatever years I got left, I'm trying to give to the Lord. Do you understand what I'm talking about? But guys, no matter if you're Izzy's age, Miss Cherie's age, or the oldest person in this room, I'm here to tell you, my friend, you're a sinner. 
You've committed sin. You say, why do you say that? Because the Bible says that. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that there's none righteous. No, not one. It says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And every one of us is sinned. But listen to this. This is the good news. Romans chapter 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, physical death and separation from God for eternity. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. Not a religion, not a salvation system or a plan, a person. The wages of our sin, if you've committed a sin, the payment of that sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, listen to this. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, by what you believe about God and Jesus. By faith you have been saved by grace through faith. And listen to what it says. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, not of our trying to do right, lest any of us should boast. None of us have anything to boast in if we're saved this morning and we're forgiven except Jesus. That's why we celebrate his birth. That's why Jesus is the reason for the season. It's all about him. So the question is, why do so many people miss it? Why are they not experiencing this great salvation and this great relationship? The same reason they missed it. It says he was in the world, but the world did not know him. And then it says he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. Friends, listen, if you got a present under the tree and your name's on it, that's your present. But it's going to sit under the tree till you tell whoever got it for you, give it here. And then how do you receive a present under the tree? I'm good at it. I can rip them open quick. How many likes to know you got a presence? Well, guys, listen. God's got everybody here the greatest present of all, salvation. But listen, just because he did everything, you still have to receive it. How do you receive it? By faith. Look at what it says in that verse right there. He came to his own, verse 11, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, Jesus, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of the blood, that's a natural birth, nor of the will of man, that's religion and stuff, nor of the the flesh, but of God. And friends, listen, only God can do that. And he came to do that by us simply receiving him and believing in his name. Have you ever looked at what they call the Roman road? The book of Romans, Paul wrote that book. It's the greatest presentation of the gospel in all of the Bible. It's a systematic Paul took, and by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and his unbelievable understanding knowledge that God gave him, he wrote the book of Romans. It starts out in chapter 1, verse 16. I mean, chapter 1, verse 16, Paul says, But I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To anyone who, what? Believes it. You got to believe it. What do you have to believe? You have to believe that Jesus died for your sins. That he was buried. He died. 
but he rose again for your salvation. And that Jesus Christ's death, burial, and resurrection pays the price for our sin. That's the gospel, the good news. But that gospel doesn't save you. It's Jesus that saves you, my friend. You can look throughout the Bible and it says, in him, in him. And you know, we have this thing today that we do that we call a profession of faith. You know, I was looking this week and I was praying about that. And you know, like when a little kid like Izzy gets saved, I'm praying, Lord, let it be genuine. Give him wisdom to understand and teach him as he grows. And I'll leave it up to the parent. And we've been talking, me and Jonathan, about how God works in a person's heart. But you know, unless God's drawing them, unless God's doing it, nothing's going to happen. But when God is doing that, he's bringing you to that place. He gives you and helps you have the ability to believe. He takes his word and his spirit and he convinces us, he convicts us. He brings us to a place to where you will see him the way he wants you to see him. That's what the word is for. That's why you can't get saved without preaching. The gospel is what saves you. And then he goes and he lays it out. Why do we need to get saved? I already told you there's none righteous. No, not one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of our sin is death. But God demonstrated his love toward us. And yet while we were still sinners, Romans 6, Christ died for us so that we could be saved. So how do you receive it? I think that's the problem that a lot of people have. You believe it, but you believe a lot of things. But that doesn't mean you've received it. You believe stuff. I believe that I love bluebell ice cream. Amen. And I might get some before the day is over. But until I go to the freezer, open the lid, pick out what kind. Because my wife blesses me. She's got multiple flavors. I'm not going to get any joy or benefit out of bluebell ice cream. Friends, I don't know how to tell you this, but you got to personally, in your relationship, talk to God to receive what he's got for you through Jesus. If you don't believe me, turn with me to Romans chapter 10. You see, we're saved by faith. We're saved by grace through faith. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God's salvation for anyone who believes. That's trust. When you turn to Romans chapter 10, it tells you how to receive Jesus and if out of all the things that you could get for, sal- for Christmas, the best thing you'll ever get is to know you're saved, that you've received what God has to offer for you. Listen to what he says when you look at verse 8 of the book of Romans, chapter 10. Now remember, the whole book of Romans is Paul laying out the Roman road to bring you to the place where you can receive Jesus, where you can be forgiven and have eternal life. And when he gets to chapter 10, he tells you how to do it. Look at what he says. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. It's both in your heart and it's in your mouth. What's he talking about? That is the word of faith which we preach. That's what saves us. I'm preaching faith. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching believe in Jesus. And look at what he says. For with the heart, in the heart one believes unto righteousness. You will never believe in your heart what you have to believe without God's help. 
He's going to take his word. He's going to take his faithful people that proclaim the word. And he's going to preach the word to you. Faith comes by hearing and hearing comes by the word of God. And until the word of God is proclaimed to you and you hear it and God's spirit helps you and enlightens you. He gives you understanding. He convicts you. He convinces you. He draws you through the truth. You won't get saved. But as he's doing that, he helps you to believe. Now listen, once you begin to believe, there's more to it. See, I believe my ice, my freezer at home's full of bluebell. Believe it. But until I say, Diane, my nap's over, would you mind getting me a bowl of that bluebell? I ain't going to get no bluebell. Now I'm giving you this as something that maybe help you to see it. Because it's not that complicated. It's as simple as believing that bluebell's good and I want some. It's as simple as believing Jesus is who he said he is. You believe in his name and believing if I ask him and receive what he has to offer, he'll save me. But friends, listen, it's more than just saying something. It's meaning it in your heart. Look at what he says right there in verse 10. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, I want you to notice, confession is made unto salvation. Now, when you look at verse 9, he says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Now, I want you to see something. It says that if you confess with your mouth, I've never seen this, and I've been preaching the gospel for over 25 years, but I've always heard profess. I got to looking. Profess is hard to find in the gospels. Profess is, but confess is what the scripture says. So I said, is there a difference between professing something and confessing something? Oh, yes, there is. And in the original language, there is too. You see, right here it says, if you confess Jesus and believe in your heart, you will be saved. You can profess things, but you don't mean you trust them. Friends, when you confess something, I got to look in. When you look in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 1, listen what it says. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. That's us if we've been saved. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Consider the apostle and the high priest of our confession. Christ Jesus. Confession. Here it is again. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. You turn to chapter 10, verse 31. And the Bible says, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. There's a big difference of professing something. I can profess something that I don't really believe. I can profess something that I'm not willing to trust with my heart. But when you confess something, I looked this up and I got to check it in the original language. Friends, listen, confess with your mouth. Not as a simple acknowledgement that he is God and Lord of all, but even the demons acknowledge that the Bible says that he's Lord, but they're not saved. This is a deep personal conviction that has no reservation that Jesus is not the Lord, he's my Lord. That not Jesus is the Savior, he's my Savior. Friends, listen, it includes repenting of sin. 
It includes trusting in Jesus as your Savior, and it includes submitting to Him as your Lord. Confession, this Greek word basically means, when you look it up, to say the same thing or be in total agreement with someone. So what you're saying is, Lord, I confess with what you have shown me in my heart. I'm a sinner. I deserve jail. I'm condemned. And you sent Jesus, and I believe everything about him. He's Lord. He died for me. You're confessing it. That's a big difference than professing. I believe we've got a lot of professors that need to make a confession. And friends, listen. Today, Jesus is who he says he is, whether you believe it or not. Many people profess him. But I want to ask you, has there been a day in your life when you out loud confessed with your lips what you say you believe in your heart. I believe the Gospels. Amen. I believe everything from the beginning to the end. I believe the seven-day creation. I believe the cross that Jesus died. He was dead. He was buried. On the third day, he rose again. I believe everything. I believe the virgin birth. Because if you're not going to believe it all, you really can't believe any of it. So I made up my mind a long time ago, God, I'm going to believe it all. And you know what? That's what confessing is. That's what it means. The more you surrender and submit, the more you're going to see God work in your life. Friends, listen to this. He says, if you confess Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart. For you believe unto righteousness. That makes you righteous. God helps you. But you've got to confess with your mouth. If you don't believe me, look at what it says. If you go on and read it, we're going to start over in verse 9. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth, the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Now, I don't know if y'all understand this, but a mouth speaks verbally. You can say, well, I believe in my heart. That ain't none of your business. Well, what you say you believe in your heart is you ever told God out loud? Have you called on the name of the Lord? Because, guys, this is what it says. This is how you receive him. It says, for the scriptures, verse 11, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Friends, you got to call on Jesus. And I, I believed in Jesus for a long, long time. And I tried to do things and help Jesus to come into my life. But I think back now, and I remember that day I've told you all about many times Right outside of um, Pulaski, Tennessee, on Old School Road, in my living room on a couch cushion. That's the first time in my life I ever called on Jesus. I was talking to him out loud. I said, Lord, help me. Save me. Oh, what I believed automatically was in there. And before I knew it, it came out over my mouth. I want you to look at what he says. I didn't say this. Look at verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not just walking an aisle. That's not just, that means there's a day when you asked God that what you believed in your heart that helps you to be righteous, that he helped you to understand and know you were willing to confess with your mouth, not profess it, confess it. Lord, this is what I need. This is what I believe. I trust you. And you trusted Jesus. Friends, listen, not only is it in here, but my favorite thing that I like to use, my favorite passage to lead people to the Lord comes from Ephesians. It's not a verse that most people leave. I've never seen a track using it. But listen to what Paul said. This is in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. In him, Jesus, in him, you also trust it. 
after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Friends, that's what we've been doing. In him, Jesus, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Friends, listen, you will never trust and call on Jesus till you first hear the gospel of your salvation, the word of truth. And at that moment, you will call. And then listen to what he says right below that. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the gospel, that ain't what he says, your faith in the Lord Jesus, do not cease to thank him for you. Friends, when you read through the book of Ephesians, everything that you have to do with your salvation is in Jesus, not a plan, not a church. Listen to what it says. It says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches. In him, Jesus, also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined to adoption. Friends, listen. That we who first trusted in Christ, in him also you trusted after you heard the word of truth. Friends, today, it's not enough to agree with the gospel. Have you believed and trusted the gospel and as Jesus your Savior? You know what I've come to find? When you are in a personal relationship with Christ, not a religious commitment, but you trust him every day. When you wake up in the morning, it's the first thing you think of is how wonderful your church is. It's the first thing you think of is how good religion. No, I don't know about y'all. I'm just telling you what I found and what I talk to people. When I wake up in the morning, the first thing on my mind is Jesus. And as I go through the day, the biggest influence in my life is Jesus. When I lay down at night and I thank God for that other day. And I'm laying there and I'm fixing to go to sleep. I look over at Diane and I always, sometimes she's still in there. I go to bed first, but I always thank him for her and pray, Lord, help us get a good night's sleep. But I talk to Jesus. Friends, listen, Jesus is Christmas. He's everything. He's salvation. Today, maybe you have heard about him like them. He was in the world, but they didn't receive him. Today, you can receive him simply by saying, Lord, I confess my need for a Savior, and you're my Savior. And Lord, I confess that you're my Lord. Not a Lord, not the Lord, my Lord. And friends, there's a big difference in that, amen? This morning, as we present and face Christmas next week, I don't know about y'all, but I lived 33 years knowing all about and hearing about Jesus, but I didn't know him. And today, having known him, Everything else Christmas has to offer, the tree, presence, family, fellowship, all of that pales when you wake up on Christmas Day and he's in your heart. When he's on your mind every day of the year and when you take time to think, Lord, none of this could have happened had you not left heaven and came to earth for me. Friends, that's an awesome thing to think about. Jesus loved you enough to come to you. Now today, would you be willing to receive him? Now, you know, I said, he said, confess me. If you confess me before men. You see, if you're going to call on the name of the Lord, you're not going to be ashamed. You know what I noticed? I used to be bashful, believe it or not, before I got saved. 
If we were in a crowd, you could ask Diane, until I got a 12-pack in me, you'd have never known I was in that crowd. But once I got that juice in me, I became the life of the party. But then I got filled with something I never knew about. I got filled with God. And he said, I want you to preach. No one would have ever expected that I would have got up and said something. But friends, this is what Jesus says, not me. He says that if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father. He didn't say profess. You see, if you just profess him, you could say, well, I'll profess him around people that will like it. I'll profess him around the people that will agree with me, that it will make me look good. But Jesus said, confess me before men, all men. And he says, but if you deny me before men, so will I deny you before my Father. That makes a big difference between professing and confessing. See, we'll all profess him. Oh, he's Lord. He's Christmas. But how many of us confess? He's everything. He's my Savior. You see, like, we need to get back to confessing Jesus before men. This Christmas, there's going to be people at our table who hasn't received him. There's going to be people in our get-togethers. And friends, what we do if we're not careful is we don't even, I'm not telling call them out, but we need to make Jesus. If they come to our house for Christmas, they ought to leave knowing, man, <laughs> their house is celebrating Jesus. Still can have a tree, still can have a present, but we need to talk about the one who hung on the tree, Jesus. I'm going to ask you to stand if you've never been saved. I'm going to ask you to come and give your life to Christ. And for those of us who are saved, I don't know about y'all, what a wonderful thing to know that Jesus is with us. That he not only forgives us, he gives us victory, he's provided us eternal life. That is a wonderful Christmas, no matter what we may be going through, no matter what we may be facing. If we've got that, we've got the greatest thing Christmas has to offer. Father in heaven, I thank you today that in the fullness of time, Lord, you sent forth your son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might come and die and redeem those of us who were under the law. And Lord, that time has come, and as we celebrate it again this year, that Jesus was born of a virgin. He came and he lived among us in the world. That we have an opportunity to receive his gift of salvation. And Lord, I believe that there's someone here today who's undone, who's never been saved, who heard for the first time that in Jesus alone, there is forgiveness and eternal life. Lord, I pray that they would come and be willing to publicly confess that I need Christ and I'm confessing my need to have him as my savior and lord and i pray for those of us who have that we will be better at going and telling people and sharing him throughout this christmas holiday in jesus name amen Yeah.